Only an incompetent president would remove our military from a war zone before first evacuating trapped Americans. And only a coward would blame everyone else for his own stupidity, then run and hide. Joe Biden is guilty of both incompetence and cowardice. As such, he's unfit to serve as president. By abandoning thousands of Americans to the potential onslaught of the Taliban, he committed a gross dereliction of duty as commander-in-chief. Instead of protecting our citizens, he's endangering them. In his short tenure, Joe Biden has presided over a witless menagerie of policy failures. But Afghanistan, that is his most spectacular blunder. Biden's conceit is now America's humiliation. Our enemies are the winners. The sad and uncomfortable truth is that Joe Biden is morally destitute and intellectually dishonest. As president, he's proven himself to be utterly incapable. The stunning collapse of Afghanistan of the Taliban and Biden's bungling of the evacuation of thousands of Americans has left the world with searing images of chaos and catastrophe at the airport in Kabul. No one will ever forget Afghans clinging desperately to a U.S. military plane and falling from the sky to their deaths. As a credible and competent leader, Biden is finished. His ill-conceived, impulsive withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan is a case study in recklessness driven by hubris. He was warned by his top military officials that his withdrawal plan was foolhardy. It would never work. They cautioned him that events would unfold precisely as they did. But the insufferably arrogant Joe Biden thought he knew better. The man who fancied himself as an expert on foreign policy demonstrated that he's an embarrassing dunce. Robert Gates, who served as defense secretary in the Obama-Biden administration, was right when he observed in his memoir that Biden has been, quote, wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Frankly, that's a generous description. Barack Obama was even more critical when he confided to a colleague, don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Obama knew that his VP would be an unmitigated disaster, the kind of guy who can screw up a free lunch. The former president well remembered how Biden urged him not to attack Osama bin Laden's compound, despite solid evidence that the mastermind of 9-11 was right there. Good call, Joe. Infamous for his chronic verbal gaffes, Joe Biden has now exceeded it with a level of ineptness that is unparalleled in our nation's history. No one should ever trust Joe Biden again. His mistakes in Afghanistan have cemented his legacy as a feckless and, well, boneheaded president. He humiliated America, alienated allies, and emboldened our enemies. Russia and China are probably popping champagne corks and toasting clueless Joe. They can't believe their good fortune. They will now do as they please, knowing there are no consequences 
from the feeble American president. In his haste to withdraw all forces from Afghanistan, Biden had no viable plan. He swiftly pulled out U.S. forces and closed down our military fortress known as Bagram Air Base, and he left thousands of Americans isolated, alone, and unprotected. Translators and interpreters who aided our military mission were also forced to fend for themselves as the enemy quickly closed in. They ran for their lives. What kind of idiot orders the military to leave a war zone before civilians are safely evacuated? Well, the answer is quite simple. Joe Biden. The Taliban marched into Kabul and sat proudly in the presidential palace while stranded Americans frantically fled to the airport. Where was our commander-in-chief? Was he ensconced, as he should have been, in the Situation Room, barking out commands to rescue them? No. Joe knew what was happening, but insisted on vacationing at Camp David. He couldn't give a fig. Only when his lapdogs in the mainstream media unexpectedly turned against him did Biden grudgingly chop her back to the White House to give a shameful speech filled with self-absolution. If Biden had a conscience and an ounce of humility, he would have owned up to his abysmal failure. Instead, he was defiant, unapologetic, as he insisted he had no regrets. He placed the blame on everyone else. Oh, it was all Trump's fault. The Afghans are to blame for not fighting hard enough. The Afghan government is responsible. The list went on and on. Sure, at the end of his senseless speech, Biden muttered the usual salutary quote from Truman, the buck stops here. But unlike Truman, Biden didn't mean it, and everyone watching knew it, which is why his address drew immediate and near-universal condemnation. And then Joe shuffled back onto Marine One to resume his fun and games at Camp David. It was a profile in cowardice. Great leaders like John F. Kennedy accept responsibility for their mistakes. With uncommon candor, JFK publicly blamed himself for the Bay of Pigs fiasco in 1961. He was contrite and apologetic. He could have blamed the CIA. He could have blamed the military generals for misleading him, but he didn't do it. And Americans respected the new president's honesty. They forgave him. That was a profile in courage. Biden's cowardice stands in stark contrast to the courage of thousands of American troops who fought in Afghanistan. His botched retreat is an insult to the memory of the 2,448 U.S. service members who bravely sacrificed their lives and the more than 20,000 who were wounded. It was despicable for Biden to portray the Afghan military as craving quitters who were afraid to fight. It was another of his brazen lies. Nearly 70,000 Afghan fighters lost their lives courageously battling the Taliban for years. Biden slandered them without sympathy, without remorse. 
The only reason the Afghans finally laid down their arms is because Biden abandoned them. With no air support, they were toast. They were facing inevitable slaughter by the Taliban with public executions and beheadings. Americans can reasonably debate the wisdom of staying or withdrawing from Afghanistan. There are legitimate arguments on both sides. But it was Biden's blundering exit that drew widespread denunciation. It was the antithesis of an orderly withdrawal that prioritizes the safety of Americans and the thousands of Afghans who rendered vital assistance to us. Biden largely ignored it in his speech, as if the calamity at the Kabul airport wasn't even happening. But that's not all. Biden was flagrantly dishonest about his decision to leave Afghanistan. He falsely framed it as a choice between complete withdrawal and sending in thousands of additional combat troops to battle the Taliban. That wasn't the choice at all. It was an obvious and disgraceful lie. With a small force of 2,500 military personnel on the ground, the U.S. was providing the Afghan army with close air support, mission strategy, and important intelligence. No American had been killed in the last 18 months. The Afghans were doing the fighting and had been largely successful in fending off major Taliban advances. An equilibrium was established, making troop withdrawal unnecessary. Moreover, safe havens for terrorists like al-Qaeda were diminished. This bolstered U.S. national security and lessened the likelihood of a terrorist attack against Americans. Suddenly, all of that has now vanished. America is exposed and vulnerable some 20 years after our country's leadership vowed never again. Jihadists everywhere are rejoicing and coalescing. Even more dishonest was Biden's attempt to blame his predecessor, President Trump. It was predictable, of course. Every time Joe screws up, it's Trump's fault. Biden lied again when he claimed he was obligated to abide by Donald Trump's previous agreement with the Taliban to reduce forces. Obligated? What an absurd statement. In the course of seven months, Biden has reversed nearly every decision that Trump made during his four years in office. But more importantly, Biden had no duty to honor the deal since the Taliban itself had breached the agreement by resuming its aggression and taking no steps to defang al-Qaeda as it had promised. Trump had made it abundantly clear that the deal was conditions-based. That is, if the Taliban failed to adhere, the U.S. military would take direct action against them. Face-to-face, Trump warned the Taliban leadership that if they dared move their forces beyond the small territory they controlled, or if they posed even a remote threat to Americans, he would demolish them with a full force of U.S. military might. The Taliban feared Trump. They knew he would do it because he'd done it before. This very real threat held the Taliban in check, until Joe Biden became president and announced a total withdrawal of U.S. troops. The new president sent 
no conditions, as Trump had done. Biden simply cut and ran, all but inviting the Taliban to take over the country, which was accomplished with lightning speed. As our troops departed on Biden's order, thousands of Americans and their Afghan allies were stranded, surrounded in Kabul, billions of dollars in military hardware and weaponry. Well, that's now in the hands of our enemy. It is inconceivable that a commander-in-chief could be so obtuse. But that's Joe, weak and pathetic. He long ago sealed his reputation as the dumbest person in Washington, D.C. Ask anybody there. With advanced age, his lack of mental acuity has only grown worse. Anyone paying attention knew it. So it never occurred to me that Americans would be naive enough to elect a doddering old fool as president, and yet that's what they did. It seemed inexplicable and confounding. I envisioned imminent disaster, and, well, it was a short wait. In the course of a scant seven months, clueless Joe has managed to create one jumbo mess after another. Biden turned a secure southern border into a miserable wreck with tens of thousands of illegal immigrants flowing into the country, many of them now spreading COVID infections. His own Homeland Security Secretary confessed that the situation is unsustainable and that the system came close to breaking. But Biden won't even bother to visit the border. He thinks everything is fine and dandy. Well, it must be nice living in fantasy land. Then under the pretext of climate change, Biden single-handedly killed America's energy independence by canceling the Keystone XL pipeline and crushing all new oil and gas leases. As a consequence, our oil output dropped precipitously. Gas prices at the pumps skyrocketed. So now he's demanding that OPEC produce more oil, but not American oil producers. So I guess the Arabs don't emit carbon, but, you know, we do. Meanwhile, he gave the thumbs up to the Russians to complete their own natural gas pipeline. We can't, but they can. Go figure. Biden's multi-trillion dollar spending spree that we can't possibly afford has triggered runaway inflation that hurts American consumers everywhere and is causing a major drag on the economy. His lavish Biden bonus bucks created a disincentive for people to work, leaving jobs unfilled and businesses struggling. On top of that, he aims to raise taxes, which will only deter economic growth. Not surprisingly, consumer sentiment has collapsed, reaching the worst level since 2011. Despite Joe Biden's reassurances, the pandemic is back as the COVID-19 case count soars. If he truly cared, the president would have pressured the FDA to cut the bureaucratic red tape on final vaccine approvals. Yet Biden seems oblivious to the fact that far more Americans would get the shots if only the government would issue final approval. He promised to get all Americans vaccinated, but he didn't. And now we're back to mandatory masks. 
Joe Biden has happily ceded control of the Democratic Party to the far-left progressives who are determined to establish a growing and permanent welfare state with free college, free child care, free senior care, and, well, free everything. At the same time, these radical wingnuts continue to champion the defund police movement as crime rages out of control. But, you know, everybody's a racist, which justifies cramming critical race theory down our throats. And if you dare to disagree, you are a white supremacist. You know the drill. Capitulate to the woke crowd or else. This is Joe Biden's America, fashioned in his own demented image. The Afghanistan debacle is just the latest iteration. Brace yourself and pop a Valium. You'll have another three years and five months to endure the Biden insanity. At this rate, there won't be much left of the America we once knew. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. By now, you've all heard me talk about MyPillow, and now Mike has done it again by introducing his new MySlippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. It's designed to wear indoors, outdoors, all day long, made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. Made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new MySlippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family. I love mine. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener's Square and use promo code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and MyPillow Towel Sets, or just call one 800 5448939 and use promo code GREGG. Hello and welcome to the brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Not since America retreated from Vietnam and her defeat was symbolized by the haunting images of helicopters frantically evacuating personnel from a fallen Saigon has the U.S. been so thoroughly humiliated on the world stage. And then came Joe Biden. Impotent and inept, he misread the enemy in Afghanistan and miscalculated his incoherent withdrawal of U.S. troops there. He left behind thousands of Americans forgotten and forsaken. With no armed protection from U.S. forces, helicopter pilots evacuated people that Biden left stranded at our embassy in Kabul and ferried them to the only airport left open where they were soon surrounded by menacing Taliban forces. Not everybody got out. Their fate remains uncertain. Just weeks ago, Joe Biden confidently predicted there would be no Saigon moment on his watch. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. 
It is not inevitable. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. Joe Biden's foresight and wisdom is a sad joke. It's truly frightening that such an inept person presides as our nation's commander-in-chief. The bitter reality is that Biden couldn't command with competence a Boy Scout troop. Our president is intellectually hollow. He's bereft of sound judgment. He's prone to dangerous decision-making. His actions in Afghanistan prove that he has no regard for his principal duty to defend and protect Americans. Despite being warned by his own generals that the Taliban would quickly overrun Afghanistan if he followed through on his decision to precipitously withdraw all U.S. troops, Biden confidently predicted all would be well. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Biden was either lying or he somehow forgot that he'd been told that the Taliban would overwhelm the country the moment he pulled out U.S. forces. Or maybe Joe was misled by the lame assurances of unqualified toadies like his Secretary of State Tony Blinken, who notoriously stated that we would never see the Taliban take over Kabul from Friday to Monday. Well, last Friday, the Taliban was poised on the outskirts of Kabul, by Sunday, they were lounging inside the presidential palace. Nary a shot was fired as they waltzed into the nation's capital unmolested by the Afghan fighting force that Biden had touted, quote, as well-equipped as any army in the world. Biden's conceit is now America's humiliation. Let's talk about it now with Carol Roth, a former investment banker, author of the book The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. Carol, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Greg. And boy, it's a really slow time in the news, so I'm not sure what we're going to talk yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I let's jump right in. I, I think it strikes a great many Americans that shutting down Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan, pulling out U.S. troops before completely evacuating thousands of American citizens there, not to mention thousands of Afghans who helped us over the last 20 years, constitutes rank incompetence on the part of Joe Biden, who made the decision in the face of, of military commanders who warned him, don't do it. What's your take? Yeah, I, I think the word incompetence is potentially the perfect one. Um, you know, many Americans, we follow foreign policy. We're not follow foreign policy experts per se, but we do understand general strategy in all aspects of our lives. And it seems to me that if, if this was the plan, and I, I certainly think a lot of people believe that we shouldn't be in Afghanistan, that you want to go through a series of things, get rid of sensitive documents, make sure that the um, uh, equipment that we have and the weapons that we have are secured, make sure that we have a plan for our citizens, make sure we have a plan for the people who are on the ground there. And then the very last thing you do is, is put it all together and say goodbye. And it's a big surprise. And for this to go down the way that it did with these horrendous images, we saw you know people 
clinging to the sides of the plane that reminded me and brought back the horrible nightmares of people jumping to their death on 9-11. I mean, that's stark for people who, who don't know the ins and outs of foreign policy and maybe they can't articulate every aspect, but they know it's wrong. And as you said, they know it's incompetence. You know, and as the situation became more dire late last week, it was readily apparent to everyone. You know, Biden decides he's going to go on vacation. So our commander in chief essentially is AWOL, as thousands of Americans are fleeing for their lives in Kabul. Uh, They're desperate to avoid the enemy, the Taliban, closing in on them without any U.S. military protection. And as you say, a a viable plan in place. Uh, Isn't that an unforgivable dereliction of duty? By Joe Biden, our commander in chief, I mean, his primary duty is to protect Americans. Yeah. And as the commander in chief, the number one thing as an American that you want to see is somebody who's strong, who's guiding and giving the right information to America, who's giving the right information to the troops, who's showing the strength that we have in providing that level of protection. I do have to wonder you know, who is making the call? Is he the one who doesn't want to be there because he doesn't feel like he can articulate? And frankly, we've heard all the press conferences just about anything. Or are there other people behind the scenes who are really shaping this policy and this execution and just putting him out as the mouthpiece You know, when it's convenient? Uh, either way, it's not a good outcome for us as Americans, whether it's here looking to our commander in chief or it's around the world looking to America for that level of leadership. This is not the face that we want to see leading us in a crisis. And obviously, it's a crisis that he created on his own. You know, so so here he is faced with a chaos and catastrophe that, you know, is unfolding live on television for all the world to see. Joe Biden is at Camp David and he's not leaving. And, and it's only when the liberal mainstream media, his longtime cheerleaders turned against him and, you know, start leveling, eviscerating criticism of him. Only then did Joe Biden suddenly chop her back to the White House and he delivers this scripted speech that somebody wrote for him. It's in the teleprompter. He reads it. He refuses to take questions. 20 minutes later, he flies back to his vacation. Does that tell us that Joe Biden either doesn't care about the lives of thousands of Americans who were in jeopardy or he is so utterly oblivious that he's really unfit to serve as president? So obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on television. But we do all have the tapes of Joe Biden over time. This is not a figure who's just come into public service. We have seen the way that he speaks and he carries himself over long periods of time. And we can compare those and we see that his faculties, at least appearing the way that he is communicating, have appeared to decline. And so, you know, if I were to take an educated guess, I would guess that he doesn't have 
the ability to do that level of strategic thought to answer you know those questions that are so desperately needed of the commander in chief of the president of the United States at this point in time. Uh, and so it does beg the question whether or not he should be there. And I will have to say the way that you introduced this, the fact that they weren't talking about his favorite ice cream flavor, but they were holding his feet to the fire, makes me wonder if this isn't really all a setup. You know, it, is there a group of people who know the Kamala's you know, ready and, and raring to take take the reins. And that's why they kind of felt um, comfortable in terms of changing their level of support, because we've never seen that, you know, during this presidency from, you know, the general mainstream media. You know, I, and I, I say this regretfully, but, but he has now become the face of diminished mental acuity. And, you know, I've described the debacle in Afghanistan over the last several days as a spectacular Biden blunder. I mean, there's no other way to sugarcoat this. And I think what offends so many people is that when he belatedly, almost reluctantly, addressed the nation, he was still defiant. He was unapologetic. I mean, he said he had no regrets but what's interesting about his speech is that he all but ignored the bungled uh, evacuation. And he tried to shift the focus to his overall decision to withdraw American troops. He didn't have the fortitude to face the unfolding human tragedy that he directly caused. And I hate to say it, but that's really a coward's way out to deflect and avoid the main issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of politicians, as many people know. And so I would say that uh, that is sort of the, the politician's way. There are far too many people that we have in leadership, quote unquote, positions that uh, that take that way out and deflect and you know point fingers or to try to keep the focus on uh, the positive aspect of the situation. But it, it, is, it is a question of whether you know he's really the one who has the full comprehension of that. And if he's not, you know, I've dealt with people who are aging in my own family. You, you really have to blame the people who are around him. I mean, it is abusive to put somebody who doesn't understand uh, what they're doing in not only any situation that's a leadership situation, but as the commander in chief, as the president of the United States. I mean, that is a horrible thing that his family and friends and his enablers are doing if he really, truly doesn't understand the consequences. If he does, and maybe he does, maybe I'm completely misreading the situation, then you're right. Then it is the, the, the coward's way out. Yeah, I hear people call it elder abuse, but I think it's exactly why Barack Obama tried his level best to discourage Joe Biden from running for president. I mean, he knew his former VP wasn't smart enough, wasn't capable enough to handle the demands of the presidency. He knew Biden would be a train wreck of you know, misjudgments, bad decisions um, that would invariably damage America. But let me get back to, to Biden now and what he's doing presently. Presently, as we understand it, he he's actually resorting to begging the Taliban to um, give all of those Americans who were trapped in Afghanistan safe passage. 
um, you know, so much for commanding from a position of strength. So somehow he wants to trust the Taliban and place the safety of Americans in their hands. I mean, they're bloodthirsty terrorists. They they torture and behead people who oppose them. Uh, doesn't Biden surrender essentially to their authority now? Send a very clear message to our adversaries, our allies, that America has a weak and feckless president. Yeah, yeah, and that is not the only way he's proven that. There have been a series of blunders that have come not from a position of strength, but from a position of begging to our adversaries. Think about when he met with Putin and he gave him a list of our assets. Please don't have cybersecurity attacks on this particular list that's really important to us. Who does that? He begged OPEC to increase production of oil after basically thwarting our efforts as you know previously we were the, the leading producer of oil in the world. Now we're begging the Taliban. Like this is not America's position in the world. We don't want to be the world's beggars. We want to be the world's leaders. And so this is not a slip up or a mistake or a crisis situation. This is a pattern now, Greg, that he's done one thing after another, Russia, Saudi Arabia, now the Taliban, now we're, now we're negotiating with terrorists. Um, this should concern anyone. I don't care if you voted for him or you didn't vote for him. This should concern everybody. Yeah, and it's only going to embolden countries like Russia and China to act with impunity to, to do as they please. You know, getting back to Biden's remarks, his other egregious lie is how he told the American public there were only two choices here. We must leave or send in thousands and thousands of American troops to battle the Taliban. That is absolutely false. Until Biden took over and decided to suddenly retreat almost overnight, uh, the status quo was actually working with no loss of American life in the last year and a half. Uh, the Taliban was doing the fighting. A small force of about 2,500 uh, American troops were providing uh, intelligence, military strategy, and importantly, close air support. The Afghans were doing the fighting. Um, does Joe Biden think we're so stupid in America that we're going to buy into that blatant lie? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that whether it's him or his enablers, I do think that they believe the American populace is stupid. And if you look at the things that they've told us over long periods of time, um, <laughs> that, that's sort of a logical conclusion that you can draw. The idea, though, that there are only two scenarios um, and that there's no sort of approach to those scenarios that might be differing, though, is just completely ridiculous. I'm not a fan of war. I'm not a fan of, of risking American lives for something that's not a direct threat against Americans. So I understand um, wanting to, to move Americans out of there. But, you know, as we talked about at the, at the top of the discussion, there is a strategic way to do it to minimize the damage and to ensure certainly that American citizens aren't getting hurt, that our weapons aren't falling into the wrong hands, and that we're providing support to the Afghans that we have been closely working with and not just abandoning them. I mean, who wants to be an ally with a country that's saying, oh, we're going to come in and support you and then just, you know, hightails it out of there 
on a plane, you know, overnight. I mean, that's insane. That's not the position that we want to come into. If we're going to do something, then we have to do it the right way. And even if that's a withdrawal, it still has to be done with clarity and with focus and with purpose. Right. And I completely agree with you. I'm no fan of, of war. Um, and I think it's a legitimate debate for Americans to have as to whether we should be in Afghanistan still 20 years hence or we should be gone. But that's not really the core issue at the moment. It's the bungled way that Biden decided uh, to pull out. But, you know, I think it's a given now that Joe Biden has mishandled Afghanistan. But that is symptomatic of his other failed policies. And given your background in business, you, you mentioned a little of it a moment ago, but I want to dig deeper. The, the border, for example, was secure. Now it's a chaotic mess. Thousands of illegal immigrants are pouring across because Joe Biden essentially invited them, and they're now bringing COVID with them. Um, his trillions of dollars in spending has triggered inflation. His energy policy, as you mentioned, killed our energy independence. It's driven up prices at the pump. How badly is Joe Biden screwing up the U.S. economy? Uh, really badly. And, you know, I was one of those, I'll, I'll take, eat a little bit of crow here, that thought, you know, early on that maybe he was going to be more moderate, you know, of all the candidates that they had up when they had, I don't know if you remember the Democratic debate where they had like, you know, 95 candidates on stage. And right. you're like, which one of these is going to be coming out as moderate? He seemed, you know, and based on his history, like he would be taking a moderate approach and everything that he's doing is moving us, you know, straight towards central planning and threatening freedom, including economic freedom here in the United States and putting us in a position of weakness, you know, to go through the laundry list of things that you talked about. I mean, the border situation um, you know, that, that obviously was such a focus under President Trump. And they, how, you know, how are you not dealing with this crisis at the border uh, now is just left completely unchecked. And given what's happening with the Taliban, and I'm hearing reports that they're, they have identified potential terrorists who are coming through the border, uh, is just creating a really bad situation that should be, again, the number one priority of our president commander in chief, which is our security and our safety. And all the COVID theater that we're going through with the discussions around vaccines and masks and whatnot to just let people come into the country, um, you know, from places that are having major outbreaks. It, it just, you know, to, to somebody who has any basic level of common sense makes no sense. The oil situation Again, really frustrating. We were the leading producer of oil. We were we're energy independent. We're coming out of the situation where we don't want to be dependent upon the Middle East and upon adversaries like Russia. And what does he do? He cancels oil and gas leases. He you know says no to the Keystone Pipeline. All of these things that puts us into a precarious position and vilifies the industry, which not only 
uh, creates a problem for these high paying jobs that we have, but obviously leads him to this position where he's now begging the oil cartel to produce more and, you know, basically makes a mockery out of the, his sort of green focus, because obviously we all live on the same planet. And if you really cared about the, the carbon emissions and doing it safely, obviously we're going to do a better job in terms of, of that than, you know, somebody over in, in Russia or what or whatnot. Uh, and then the, the spending, the, the spending plan that's expanding the purview of government. Like if you didn't think that we had sort of a hybrid socialist thing going on before, this is expanding Medicare, you know, marching us towards Medicare for all. It's expanding quote unquote child tax credits, but you don't have, it's not really a tax credit because you don't have to earn any money. So it really looks a lot more like a UBI type of endeavor for people with kids, um, expanding, you know, pre-K, quote unquote, tuition free community college, all of these things with money that, you know, is going to be created from nowhere and is going to become debt that our, our children and grandchildren have to pay for in this country. Uh, so there isn't a whole lot that I can look at optimistically and go, wow, well, I, I'm really proud of you know, the way that this has happened in America in the last you know, seven or eight months. Uh, it, it has been an unmitigated disaster and worse than I even expected. Yeah. Yeah, the outlook uh, for America looks rather grim for the next three and a half years. We'll wait and see. Carol Roth, many thanks for being with us. We appreciate your insights. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.